Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find The Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. Aw, oh, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic-Con. I am Ryan. With me this week only is James. Yeah. I don't think it's been me and you. Well, actually, it's me and you quite a bit. <laughs> I was about to say a lot. Uh, but Brad but is it's nice. balls it's... deep into Jean-Claude Van Damme's damn van editing. Gross. Yeah. Uh, he's, he has a lot saw, going on. I saw the uh, the picture of him and... Uh, um, Oh, shoot, I can't remember who else was in the picture, but I, I was him like leisurely laid back on the on a couch, like like Peter Jackson mm-hmm. way, yeah, like wise. checking the sound, like watch, yeah. yeah, he's watching the, the awesome. sound mix, and I was like, dude, he's so, he looks so professional, relaxing on that I, couch. I would, I would tell everybody to go see it November tenth, but I don't think this is gonna be up since we still have last week's episode that's not up. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'll mix it tomorrow. I'll make sure that at least cool. gets the brand. Well, here this is also what I want to start doing because last week we had Zach on the show, and he was talking cool. about. The interview he did with the director of Life of Crime. Cool. Which I didn't know Jennifer Aniston was in that movie. If I would have known that, I would have been there for her. But <laughs> um, So I'm going to start saying, uh, so this week, here's our interview with George's Jaunty. <laughs> and so it has to be put in. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be an ass. That'd be pretty good. That'd um, be pretty good. So... Uh, but I'll let Brad have this week off, and then I'll just start throwing them in. Well, the problem is some of those those interviews are so freaking long. Yeah, who cares? Whatever. It's a podcast. We don't have any rules. This is true. This is true. There's no rules on the internet, man. But we do have one I say rule. Fuck. That's right. Fuck. 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 I said a P H U C K, so it's not really cussing. No, I'm gonna go back and bleep all those out to make nice. it sound like we can't say that on the internet. That's awesome. You should yeah. do that. I'm gonna. But we do have one rule on this podcast, James. Yeah. And that's every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week we went and saw a really anticipated movie. Yeah. Interstellar. One of one of the like most anticipated movies you know, of the year. Yeah, no, it's weird, you know, because when did the trailer for this come out? Last November, uh, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was and just, it just, said, it was like, just Matthew McConaughey. Twenty fifteen. Talking over. Yeah, and just like a dusty van in the yeah. desert. And you're like, what the fuck Here's is the thing going on? With, but I didn't dude, care. If Matthew McConaughey was the new trailer guy, I would be like excited. For some reason he reads things mm-hmm. so well. It is a hell of a ride. I mean, on a simple, fun adventure thriller level, it's, a, it's as big of a ride as you're going. Um, on, a, on a dramatic level, it's, it, it'll, I don't care how cold you are, it'll pull your heartstrings <laughs> and maybe pull it wide open. Um, yes, parents, yes, children, see it on screen. You know what else he does really well? Just fucking be 
He's really good at being. I know. He's like your man crush. Uh-huh. He's pretty good. Yeah, no, he's pretty good. He's a pretty good guy. So stay tuned for that review. Okay. I like uh, that. I like that weird vein that pops out, like right here angry? under his left eye, or sad. Or sad. Yes, or sad, or like stressed out. Like <gasps> I can't, I can't breathe in this in this helmet. And then his, that you vein know pops a out. Great McConaughey movie that a lot of people haven't seen. Mud, frailty. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah! Oh my god, I love he's, Frailty. He's creepy in that. Oh hell, yeah. oh man, that's that's one of my favorite horror movies. Oh, dude, it's yeah. one of the best. Yeah, just because of the acting alone. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, directed that's what by do. Bill Paxton. Yeah, that that man needs to direct more movies. He does. He's yeah. not a great actor. Um, but if you've never listened to the podcast, be warned that we do spoil the movie. After we play the trailer, we tell you if you should see it or not. Then we spoil the movie, and you should definitely see this movie before we talk. It, we, you hear us talk about this yeah. movie. Spoilers for the review: you should see this movie, and you shouldn't be spoiled. Any, going and you in. should. Anytime Christopher Nolan has a movie come out, you should just expect that. Yeah, because his movies, unless they're well, the Batman movies kind of have them too, but his movies tend to have huge twists in them. Yeah, and this one has a few. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. What have you been up to this week, James? Um, I don't know, just working a lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so. spoil- spoilers from when we get to uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what we've been watching. Not much. Just a lot of cheers. Yeah? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Cool. But um, no, it's been good. It's been good. Right on. I love it. It's like I miss you when you're how's, not here. How's, how's the baby? Very cute. Yeah? Yep. Good. Yeah, he, his head is in the 70th percentile. <laughs> his body is in the 15th. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. He's still a little guy. He's pretty cute, though. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I like being a dad. Cool. He's like one of those uh, those little toy skeletons that they make around Halloween, where like the head is huge, <laughs> yeah, and, then the, and totally then the body is. just sort of dangles loose. It's kind of like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, every once in a while, though, James, we get fan mail, and it's my favorite segment to start off the show with. Yeah. So Ed Voorhees works with me. Um, he is a videographer. Isn't that like a video horror, guy? Like, for isn't that like a horror character? Jason Voorhees. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, for uh, Kidoba, the company I work for, um, and he does a really great job. He's in charge. He video. Uh, he makes all the training videos. He does a lot of the photography for the training materials. He works really hard, and it's uh, it's cool that uh, he listens to our podcast. Uh, and this is a big one, so I, I didn't have time to... I know you've been busy. I forgot to email uh, email you about some things that he asked. Oh, okay. But, um, so I'll answer them, and then you can chime in. Okay. Um, greetings and salutations. I've been enjoying your podcast since I picked up the Real Nerd Season 1 Blu-ray at Denver Comic-Con earlier this year. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. You can still pick up a copy of that at uh, Carl Coins Cards and Comics if you want one. Mm-hmm. Listening to your insightful debates on the merits of film has reignited my passion for the medium. Sweet. Wow. My queue of movies uh, to see has grown exponentially since tuning in. You're welcome. Many of the latest or shows. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> many of the latest shows remain paused halfway through till I have the opportunity to see that particular movie or show you're discussing. <laughs> Though it's almost impossible to completely analyze a film without spoilers, I appreciate that you keep them after your recommendations. Like I said, thank yeah. you. Uh, once a trailer is played and all bets are off, is a good rule of thumb. I'd love to hear your team's opinions of older films you may be divided on. Okay. Do you have a list of the best film of the year years? Funny you should say that, Ed. Um, we do. We call it Film Explosion, and you can go back and listen to three of them, and we talk about our ten favorite films of the year. Um, well, four. Yeah, four. Technically four if you go back to Nebcast. 
Uh, no, I mean because well, so yeah, there's also the Nipcast, but we also did uh, the Nine, best films of 1999. Oh, that's right, we did yeah. films of 99. You're yeah. correct. Um, and just to uh, we touched on this last week. Um, the end of the year is coming up. Yeah, it fans is. of the show, please send in your top ten movies, and we'll read them of the year, and yeah. we'll read them on the air, and we'll send you great stuff like the VHS of the Phantom Menace and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> Shit, now I got to go find a VHS of the Phantom Menace. It's not that hard. <laughs> I actually. said of. It, it could be something else. Right. I yeah. mean, um, and here's the thing: is I forgot to uh, email you about this, but he asked for your top ten films of all time. Um, I do have a list here, and this list has hardly ever changed for me. Um, Though there is one new thing on here, and that's just because I became such a fan of Robert Downey Jr.'s work that it's made its way in. Um, And again, this top ten list, for me, personally, has nothing to do with... um, Did we... Oh, we did this with comics. That's what we did, yeah. Uh, You know, critical darlings and things like that. has nothing to do with that for me. For me, it's maybe what I was doing when I was watching the movie, who I was watching it with, Mm -hmm. how much I enjoyed the film. Because at the end of the day, I might review films, but I'm still a fan of films. So certain films might touch me in other ways. Um, do you have that on your phone, I'm, James? You know, I've been building my top 100 for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find, but I haven't worked on it in a while. So I'm trying to find it here really quick while you're doing yours. Cool. Well, I'll do mine. And then uh, while you're digging, we can talk about mine. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you'll do yours and then we'll talk about you and all the things you like. Yeah. And, and then if we find yours then we'll talk about <laughs> stuff you like. Um, so here's my top 10. Number 10, um, is Friday the 13th part six. Um, Jason lives Friday the 13th is my favorite horror series. Hmm. Um, part six is the one that I enjoy the most. The, the gentleman who wrote and directed it, um, decided to go with more of a Gothic take on Friday the 13th and he kind of had fun with it. And there's some funny moments in it if you're a fan of the f- series. Uh, and he's really cool. He talks in the commentary about uh, that the people at Paramount said he could do whatever he wants, just don't make fun of Jason. And so he could make the rest of the film fun. Hmm. And he does. And it's really not as gory as the other ones. Um, there's no nudity. Um, and he made these decisions on, on purpose. Yeah. Um, because he said, you know, I'm going to strip it of the super gory stuff. And I mean, there's still some in it, but yeah. Uh, he's he's going to make a smarter movie, basically, um, as far as the Friday the 13th, the sixth part of a Friday the 13th can be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my favorite Friday the 13th. Um, did you find it? Nope. Nope. Still working. You keep cool. going. Uh, number nine for me is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is my favorite Robert Downey Jr. movie. Um, I just love the movie. I love how clever it is. It's awesome. Um, if you've never seen it, Robert Downey Jr. plays basically a petty criminal, and his partner is killed at the beginning of the movie, and he's running from the police, and he runs into an audition for a movie, and he's so upset that his friend is killed that they give him the part for the movie, and he's paired up with Gay Perry, who's played by Val Kilmer, who is a gay cop, um, and it's it's really clever. Shane Black wrote and directed it, and he did Lethal Weapon and Iron Man 3 and a whole bunch of other things. For for me, it was the return of Robert Downey Jr., because I saw that oh, movie yeah. in theaters with my parents, and, like, we just heard good things, and so we went and checked it out, and, like, walked out of that movie just absolutely in love. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's really, really good. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was really good. That was great. Uh, number eight is Mary Poppins. Um, I love movies that are fun and... Even though it's a three-hour running time, I still enjoy watching it, and the time flies by when I watch it. Um, 
Julie Andrews that I still have a huge crush on. <laughs> and I still think she's pretty attractive for being like in her late 70s. Oh, yeah. Um, number seven is Night of the Living Dead. Uh, the greatest horror film of all time, in my opinion. Um, straight up horror, because I have other things on here. You can say, that's horror. That's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the way it's shot, it's kind of shot documentary style. It's the birth of modern zombies. And I've told this story many times, and I know I've told it on the podcast, but I'll reiterate it for people listening now. When I was very young, I don't know, five or six, seven, my grandmother took us to Walgreens, and they had a 99-cent VHS bin. And my grandmother said, you can pick any movie you want. And my brothers picked, like, probably Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something. I don't know. And I picked Night of the Living Dead. And I could never watch the ending um, when the zombies all start pouring into the farmhouse. It got too scary for me. So I never watched the ending until a few years later. And then I appreciated how great of an ending to that movie it is. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I love that film. Uh, number six for me is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. Um, which is the greatest adventure film of all time. Um, it's one of those movies that I watch probably once a year. Yeah. Um, and I smile every time I watch it. Um, and I see nuances in performances I never saw before. And it's funny, we were, me and my wife were at Whole Foods or Sprouts, one of those stupid-ass organic <laughs> grocery stores. And we went by uh, dried dates Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I'm never going to get those. Bad and she's dates. like, and she's like, why? I said, uh, the monkey dies and raves a lost ark for eating them. <laughs> I don't eat those. Um, so, and the the movie's great. It really is. It's one of the most fun movies you ever have watching. In uh, in college before, it must have been before 4 came out. Um, I discovered that a few people, including Sierra, had never seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. Wow. Um, so I had like a three weeks in a row. I had like a Indiana Jones watching party. Nice. Uh, and for the first one, I tried so hard to find dates to have <laughs> for people to eat, but you couldn't. I couldn't get them in Fort Collins. Yeah, that here's the crazy year. thing: I wouldn't eat them. I don't eat them because of that movie, and it sounds so stupid and petty. Really? But like, I just won't eat them. <laughs> I don't know why. I know that's your favorite movie. <clears throat> um, spoilers for people who are like, oh, what's James's favorite movie? <laughs> um, uh, number five for me is Empire Strikes Back. Um, it's my favorite Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. It's the movie I watched with my father that I remember saying, oh, this movie's different. Mm-hmm. This movie, the bad guys win. The bad guys are, you know, the cool ones. The mm-hmm. the, the bad guy, uh, the good guys are in trouble. And my dad is such a Star Wars fan. My dad and Indiana Jones. I remember he had the both trilogies on VHS, and we probably watched one of those movies. Uh, my parents are divorced, and every weekend we'd spend with my father. And so... Um, Every weekend, we'd watch a Star Wars or an Indiana Jones movie. Um, and Empire Strikes Back is one of the first ones I remember. A kind of adult movie mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. I don't know if you can say it's an adult movie, but I, I guess the themes are kind of adult. Yeah. Um, number four uh, is Jaws, which I think... Uh, that's what I mean. I guess considered a horror movie. Right. Um, yeah. It's, again... It, take I, it, I, you, I, I would, but I would in the way that, like, those are the horror movies I like. Yeah. You know? Um it's the movie that you watch and I want to say is maybe the perfect movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a movie of adventure. The characters are so great. Um, The scene with Roy Scheider and his son at the kitchen table. And then later on, (laughs) look at me, just touch a a special spot for you. 
<laughs> yeah, that scene is that scene is why I like stories. Improvised. Um, yeah. yeah. And the scene with Hooper and Brody at the dinner table are talking about the shark. Um, comparing their scars. And yeah, the, uh, dude. It's just such a great oh, film. Oh, man, that movie is unbelievable. Uh, number three for me is my favorite animated film of all time, which is Pinocchio mm-hmm. um, from 1940. It's so beautiful. It's so innocent. And it, I've seen the movie many times. And every time I watch it, I still cry at the end. Every time Pinocchio dies, I cry. Um, Spoilers. <laughs> well, for a film that's 74 <laughs> years old. Um, yeah. It, it, it touches me in a way I, I can't describe. I, I just love the film. I love the music. I love the animation in it. Uh, I'm a big Disney guy, and Pinocchio is my favorite Disney movie. Um, and, I again, it's a movie I watch at least once a year. Um, and I always find something new in it I love. The animation. So when you think about it, back then, everything's hand-drawn yeah. and with little intricacies of the clocks and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, number two for me is Spider-Man, which is the Sam Raimi 2002 Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, hmm. A lot of people think Spider-Man 2 is better. Um, yep. And that's fine. <laughs> I, I, th- I think it, Spider-Man 2 has one of the greatest action scenes of all time is yep. the, on the subway. Yep. Um but being a huge Spider-Man fan my uh, entire life, my favorite director directing a Spider-Man film right. with my favorite villain in the Spider-Man film yeah. is something that I could never replace the feeling of. I'll, ne- I'll never forget this, James, as long as I live. I Obviously, I saw the movie at midnight. The next morning, I used to work at Outback, and I had to do all the inventory and stuff. And I w- worked at the Outback by the Denver West movie theater. And back then, the Denver West was the only movie theater around here. Mm-hmm. And the Spider-Man showing, I'm pretty sure it was like 8 in the morning or something like that. And I'm driving in, and the line to get to see Spider-Man went from the entrance of that movie theater all the way up to where the Whole Foods was. And to me, I was like, this is going to be a big movie. Yeah, This is going to be a big movie, and they're going to make another one. And I already knew it was good because I saw it the night before. Right. um, but you're kind of biased, you know, because I love Spider-Man so much. Oh, for sure. And, and and like, I say that partially because I, you know, most of the time, if the sequel to a, if the first sequel to a superhero movie is good, it's mm-hmm. probably better than the first one just because it's not encumbered by the origin oh, story. Yeah. And I, but, but still, that, that, that first is better than most comic book first, oh yeah right like it's it's better than x-men one it's better than captain america one like it's a really really great movie and you know being such a goblin fan i'll never forget uh the moment when he's in Times square and right after it's like Macy yeah. Gray. but if you get past that part i knew the movie was going to be awesome because how the goblin comes in and he like glides in and he runs his hand across the balloon I said, yeah, that shot's awesome. There's something that Sam, only Sam Raimi would do that because he puts the camera really close behind the glider and Mm -hmm. just the way he moved as it, as a fan, you're saying, Oh, they get the green goblin. Yeah. They get the green goblin. And, um, the costume was dorky. I understand, but I don't know. I still like it, but uh, here's the thing on Blu-ray, all the details on it is pretty awesome because yeah. you can see like the purple faded into it. You can see when you can see through his mask. That's when it's and great. His mouth moving. And stuff. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um. I loved I loved the Green Goblin in Amazing Spider-Man too. I thought it made sense in the story. Yeah. Um. You know, where it's like a deformity. That's yeah. cool. Um. 
But, yeah. but the performance is not as good. No. That's the thing. Willem Dafoe's performance in that movie is so good that that you <laughs> could have you could have put him in a literal like you could have gone and taken the actual green uh Power Rangers costume and put mm-hmm. that on him, still would have been badass. Oh yeah. Like, well that's the thing is if they make another Doc Ock, isn't it gonna be as good as Alfred Molina? No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, now, well, okay. The same thing was said for like Jack Nicholson's Joker for a long true. time. I mean, someone can so, do it. So someone could someone do could. a really good job, but but it's on it's on par with that. Yeah. Uh, again, it's it, the the Green Goblin serve the story a different way. Amazing Spider Man Two is still an amazing movie to me. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. No, I agree. Um, so yeah, so that movie is. What was that your number two? As uh, my number two, my number one is Army of Darkness. Right. Um, again, it just it's fun. Um, I don't know why I love the movie so much. Well, I do. I mean, it's just a fun movie, mm-hmm. um, and it, it sums up the movies I like in like one big smorgasbord of movies, where it's action, adventure, comedy, horror, and fantasy, all put into one. The story tone is inconsistent. Um, mm-hmm. It's fun listening to the commentary on it. Because Sam Raimi even talks about, he says, I don't know why people like this movie. Um, first, Ash is a hero. Then he's a coward. Then he's a hero. And it's so inconsistent. But I think it's the performances and the way the movie's shot. Um, it's so inventive and lots of fun. Uh, that I, I'll never forget. I was in Target. I never saw the movie before. But I saw the art on the VHS cassette. And I wanted it so bad. Because there's the original one where it's, you know, he's all ripped. Yeah. Everything. It's like the Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so those are my ten favorite movies. Um, nothing to do with critical stuff. It's just no. stuff I enjoy sitting and watching. Yeah. Um, and I hope that you know some people. Well, I mean, I'm sure Empire and Raiders are on a lot of, a lot of people's lists, but right. Um, you know, just enjoy them. Uh, you know, everybody has their own. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I would never disregard anybody's opinion unless you say like Transformers is your favorite movie. Then we have issues. So my top <laughs> ten. No, I'm um, I couldn't find it. What what I'll do is this week I'll 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 try to put it together. Um, but I I want to touch on a couple really quick. Yeah. Um, because yes, okay, Jaws is on there. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark is on there. Honestly, when I do a top ten, what I usually do is I actually remove. Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, um, usually Indiana Jones and Star Wars completely mm-hmm. from even being in the running because mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, it's sort of unfair. Um, partially because those movies are so close. Like, with the exception of Lord of the Rings, the other ones are so sentimental mm-hmm. that I don't actually watch them objectively. <laughs> Dude. Right? <laughs> like, I grew, up, I grew up inside of those movies. Oh, yeah. It's... Like, it's not even... You know, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the reason why that one actually transcends that is because the story I always tell is that that movie had an integral role in teaching me what good writing was. Um, because there is there are a lot of things about that movie that are just really, really smart. Uh, but the scene between Belloc and Indy in the, in the bar yep. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the monologue that Belloc has... Like taught me so much about what good writing was, mm-hmm. and taught me about what what really great villains were. Yeah, um, and that a great villain wasn't necessarily that a great villain should actually be better than like like Darth Vader isn't a great villain until Empire. Yeah, Darth, I agree. Darth Vader is actually a pretty shitty villain in in A New Hope. It's yeah. not until Empire where there is suddenly this emotional stake. You're right, um, and that character. And I think that's why a Empire reflection. transcends all the other Star Wars is because 
it gives weight to who Vader is. Yeah. Um, I mean, Vader's cool and impending mm-hmm. um, in the first one, but he's not a smart villain. Yeah. He's not an interesting villain, and he doesn't actually affect the other characters beyond what, like, an evil robot would. Yeah. You know? Like, he's just powerful and nasty. Yeah. Um, so so that's why that movie tends to be on the top. Um, the ones that I'm pretty sure are on there that you didn't bring up would be uh, Alien. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty positive would get into the 10. Th- to be honest, like, I tried to put together a, a, 100, a list of 100 it's hard. not too long ago, and... I just went and picked, like, well, what are the movies that have to be in, like, the top 50 or so? Mm-hmm. And I had, like, when I was done, I had, like, 125 movies. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy shit. It's hard. Like, all of these movies have to be in the top 100. Like, I can't do a list without talking about all of these. Um, but Alien is amazing. Um, that movie, I just love so much about that movie. And it it still plays so well. We, oh, we yeah. talked about, you know, not too long ago, I showed it to Dan for the first time. And got to sit there and like watch Alien for the first time with somebody, and and realize how well those beats still hit. Oh yeah, um, he actually didn't see the chestburster coming, and so that was was kind of cool. But the most terrifying moment of that movie is Ash, um, and that scene is just so great. Oh, yeah, um, there's things that stick with you in that scene. I yeah. mean, I'll never forget the milk and stuff. Oh yeah, it's just so weird. Yeah, it's so inventive. Um, and then the other one would be Fargo. Mm. Uh, I adore Fargo. And, it, you know, of all of the Coen Brothers films and all of the Coen Brothers films that that juxtapose some kind of pure evil with innocence, that one to me rings the most true. Like, I, I love No Country for Old Men, but Fargo is the one that, that leaves me with characters that kind of, that I carry with me mm. in a way that, um, I like the characters from No Country, but I relate to the characters from Fargo, and I, I am so touched by the things that they say in the face of the horrible stuff going on around them. Mm. Um, that movie is important to me. Um, so anyway, I'll I'll put the rest of it together, and maybe I'll go over cool. it next week. Yeah, for you know. sure, should. Uh, but Ed continues, and uh, this oh, will be man. Comics Corner this week. <laughs> What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. Uh, comics Corner is a great segment for getting back into comics. I've picked up and enjoyed many recommendations, such as I Kill Giants, oh, uh, God. Black Hole, Flashpoint, yeah. etc. Oh, he read Black Hole? Yeah. Holy shit. I have an, and I have an even a larger stack to read. Uh, since returning to the field, I have gravitated to Ed Brubaker, yep. Sean Phillips, Rick Remender, Humberto Ramos, Jonathan Luna, and Tony Moore, among others. Rick Remender's cool. Yep. Um, what are some of your? What are some of the team's favorite authors or artists or ones to avoid and why? <laughs> oh, man. Um, we start with avoid. Um, I actually, I ran. In, I have a great story with Ed. Um, he's collecting Spider Man's, yep. and this is how great Andrew is. I went into uh, the store on Wednesday. And I walked in, and Andrew's like, hey, man, I have something for you. I was like, okay. And I go in the back, and he has Amazing Spider-Man 121 and 122, Death of Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. um, both of them. And I already have them both. I have multiple copies of each now. Um, and, I mean, they're, the, the ones he had were, I would say they're like 6.0, 6.5, like not bad-looking books at all. Mm-hmm. And they're so important, and Ed's been looking for these forever. And... uh 
I said, cool, man. Uh, what are you going to price him at? He's like, oh, uh, 30 bucks for the death of the Green Goblin and 40 for the death of Gwen Stacy. I was like, are you kidding me, dude? So I called Ed. I was like, hey, Ed, I know you're looking for these books. If you have $70, you can get both of them. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, I'll be right there. Um, and I told Andrew, says, hey, man, if he doesn't want them, just throw them in my slot and I'll buy them. Because <laughs> I don't care. I'll buy as many copies of those books as I can get. Yeah. And especially if he's going to charge me 30 bucks for the death of the Green Goblin. Are you right. kidding me? That's why Andrew's great. Um, but uh, new creators to get behind. Um, we both love Rebecca Isaacs. George's Jaunty. Mm-hmm. Um, Christos Gage. Christos Gage. Um, um, yeah, actually, Christos Gage is writing Spider-Verse right now, which is really good, uh, with Dan Slott. Um, artists, I love ba- uh, Sal Basuma. I've already said this many times. He's my favorite Spider-Man artist. He did Spectacular Spider-Man, I think, 135 to 268. So you can pick up a lot of his work. Um, I think he's the best storyteller in comics, um, visually. Um uh, Gabriel Ba, Fabio Moon, and Gabriel Ba's Day Tripper is mm-hmm. fantastic, uh, and that artwork is is really fresh and cool. It's it's very different for um, for comic book art. Um, I'll tell you one that's really unusual um, is Sex Criminals by Matt Fraction. Oh yeah, it's really good. Um, it's about these people that can have sex and then the world stops around them so they steal money to save a library and then they found out there's sex police that have the same power it's really goofy but it's really well <laughs> it's really well told uh, Saga is really good uh, yeah, oh yeah, Fiona Staples we've already talked about that mm-hmm. um, ones to avoid um, man I <sighs> huh. there's some people that there, there are people I would say are inconsistent. So, like Mark Miller, um, yeah, they only read the things that are critically acclaimed by Mark Miller. So, yeah. like, go read Old Man Logan or the Ultimates Civil War. or Civil War or the the first run of Kick Ass. Um, those are great, mm-hmm. but be careful when you start digging into his other shit. Yeah, um, uh, he's he's a little um, bombastic, and then yeah. he kind of. Um, he's one of those guys who I think falls under the weight of his own storytelling. Mm. Um, but he he really likes being cool. Yeah. And he likes being edgy, and sometimes his being edgy doesn't like gets in the way of his story. Yeah, um, that's why I, I hate Kick Ass too. Um, oh shoot! Uh, oh man, who wrote? Wow, I can't believe I can't remember who wrote Preacher. Garth uh, Ennis. Garth Ennis. Yeah, Garth Ennis is one of those where his Punisher is great. Yeah, his Punisher is great. Uh, Punish uh, Preacher is amazing. Uh, but then some of his other stories, he he can like he likes to tell some of those gritty crime stories, mm-hmm. and sometimes they just feel like like he's just trying a little too hard. So, yeah, another uh, creator I like is Brian Michael Bendis. He does Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, his other stuff isn't quite as strong as Spider-Man, though. Uh, his initial run on New Avengers is really good. Um, I, I enjoyed that one. Um, man. Ones to avoid. I'm trying to think of one person I just can't um, stand as a writer. And I sometimes pick up their... St- I can't even think of it off the top of my head. Um, I'm not a big fan of Dan Slott, who writes Spider-Man right now. Um, huh. He's he's a good writer, but his superior Spider-Man really soured me towards him. But everybody else likes it now, so I'm in the minority. I never read a lot of Mark Wade. Everybody likes Mark Wade, but I really hated his Rocketeer. Yeah, sometimes the art, I mean, the writer isn't paired up with the stuff right, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a hard time, uh, he's really critically acclaimed, 
but Alan Moore, I have a hard time getting behind hmm. him because he's so outspoken yeah. and he's so obnoxious. And hey, actually, I'll give you one that a lot of people are going to be upset about. Frank Miller, I'm not a fan of. Um, I've n- I've never actually read a lot of Frank Miller because I, I actually don't like his art. Yeah, his art's not good. And okay. everyone loves Dark Knight's Return. It's funny, I got the Blu-ray. Well, oh, that's true. I've read that and it, it's it's okay. I got the Blu-ray of the Deluxe Edition. It was at Best Buy for five bucks. It's still sitting on my shelf. I haven't watched it yet. I oh you you should because I think th- I think that the f- the movie is pretty good. Um, I so since we're talking about it, I really appreciate the Dark Knight Returns for its place in the history of comics. Mm-hmm. Like th- that and Watchmen are responsible for comics. We're, we're are are they're really like flagships for the return of great comics uh, because that was right at the end of the comics code like mm-hmm. those two books signified that the comics code was dead and that you could go make great art in comics mm-hmm. again um so i i've read and and own them for or and own dark knight for that reason but the truth is i i think that his plotting in that movie like in that book his just the way he constructs that story is really messy and not that good no i think that's um, true to all his work um, I, I, I read Sin City and I, and it's, it's okay. I think the movies are better than the comics. Um, yeah. it's just, yeah, I, I, I think he's really overrated. Everybody loves him, but I just can't get behind him at all. And then he did that Batman and Robin, um, all-star, all-star Batman and Robin. It was bad. Mm. And I mean, he has lines like, on the goddamn Batman and things like that. And it's just, bleh. Yeah, just clunky. He's a really clunky writer. Yeah. Pacing issues. Um, so there's some, <laughs> um, but That's yeah, a lot of the ones that are bad are the the little guys that don't necessarily get very far. Yeah, um, um, but like I said, if you're trying to pick up a Spider-Man tell, I, I would pick up the trade of Ultimate Spider-Man one with Bendis and uh, Bagley, and then um, oh, Bagley's so good. He's a great Spider-Man artist. Yeah, um, cool. After hearing your pitch for Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, I have to say you guys are right. It's the best place to buy comics in Denver. Agreed. Great prices, friendly staff, and Andrew has been so knowledgeable and helpful. I've got about a dozen titles in my hold slot. Thanks for letting me know about this great shop. Absolutely. Um, we love that there. Hey, congratulations to Ryan and Laura on the healthy arrival of Kellen. Best of luck to Brad as premiere of Jean-Claude Van Damme's Damn Van. That's a huge accomplishment. Look forward to seeing it Monday. Zach did a great job hosting while Ryan was away, and I was sorry to hear you were mugged after one of your many Tusk viewings. I know. Yeah, that sucked. Glad you're okay. Uh, James, I hope you're doing well. What have you been up to? I don't know. (laughs) I I work a lot. I went to Detroit for a week. That was, yeah, I don't know. I walked around the streets of Detroit and didn't get mugged. (laughs) I know. Which is crazy, but that's because there's no people there. Uh, you would never believe it, but at night, there's just nobody on the streets. Dude, when I was in Wichita, Kansas, like at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, there's nobody on the streets. It's creepy. And they have these bronze statues of children playing on the sidewalks. Dude. It's like, like, like weird. Like T2 style? Yeah, bro. It was weird. Um, here's something for you, James. Your insights on recent cinema are point on point, and I'll have to peek at the archives to hear your opinion on Prometheus. Oh. Keep up the good work. Real Nerds is one of my favorite podcasts to discuss things I love, Ed. I Thanks, really, Ed. That was a great email. I really hope that Ed likes Prometheus. Otherwise, I'm going to get a really shitty email in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Prometheus. James, your arguments used to be pointed, or they seem to be pointed now. They've certainly come a long way since you made those nice <laughs> things, said those nice things about Prometheus. I think Prometheus is still badass. The, the movie is amazing. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, it's great. 
<laughs> Fuck everybody else. We're right. And thank you for the great email. Um, you took care of a lot of stuff for us um, this week. Uh, this is the box office numbers. This is the box office stats. Uh, the number one movie was Ouija again. Ugh. With $10.7 What's uh, funny is it barely beat out Nightcrawler, which is kind of cool. Yeah, like, uh, Nightcrawler is a movie I think I'm going to rent. Oh, yeah? I, I want to see it, but I don't know if I want to go to the theater and see it because I don't I care feel, that much. Honestly, like I'm I'm really into the trailer. I feel like i got to see it before the end of the year. Hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, you're probably right. You fucker. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I just, movie that, we <laughs> that performance, like Jake Gyllenhaal chewing scenery like that, Like mm-hmm. there's something about it I just... Yeah, <sighs> you're right. I heard I Renee Russo is really good in it, too. Oh, yeah? Uh, the movie we saw last week, Birdman, did $2.3 million, mm-hmm. um, which but is pretty yeah. good for... Yeah, I mean, it's not... It's not in, in that many theaters. I think it's like in 600 or something, so... Yeah, I got it right here. Uh, actually, the theater counts up to like 2,000... Oh, no. No, 300. 200, 231 theaters. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Yeah, that's really good. Did you see it yet? No, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to. Should I? Uh, it's a movie you should see, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm really conflicted on this movie, yeah, big time. Okay, um, then then now that now I have to see it because now I have to weigh because in because it's a movie that this sounds so bad, but it's a movie that Brad will love because of <laughs> because of how it's made. It's a movie right. I don't love because of how it's made. Right, I I already know exactly what you're saying. Thank you. I know but, exactly what you're saying. But the movie technically is amazing. Yeah, the Michael Keaton and Edward Norton in it are amazing. Yeah. So I'm really torn on the movie, right. big time. All right, now I gotta go see it. Um, but yeah, I'll work it in. Uh, there's some goofy stuff in it that it, you can deal without. Yeah. But Michael Keaton is fucking amazing. In it. Yeah. He should he should definitely be nominated for an Oscar. Cool. Um, cool. Uh, this is the stuff we've been watching. So uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Uh, my Tom Cruise marathon continues. Cool. Um. I saw Color of Money, which I've never seen before. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess it's The Color of Money. Is it The Color of Money or Color of Money? I've seen The Color of Money, but I kind of remember not being that interested in losing, like, not paying as much attention. Because I really liked The Hustler. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, for those who don't know, it's a it's a sequel to The Hustler. Yeah. Um, that takes place. It's, it's like the longest gap between sequels I was reading. It's like oh, 20, really? 23 years or something. Yeah. I don't know, 27 years. I think it was 1961 was The Hustler. And I think The Color right. of Money... Well, maybe the color, is it 88 of The Color of Money? I think, I think so. it's right. Yeah, I think it's, it's like 88. Late 80s, yeah. um, it's a Martin Scorsese movie. Um, Tom Cruise plays a hotshot pool player. Um, Paul Newman, I freaking love, is yeah. uh, he's in it and he's kind of, he plays his character, Eddie, from the first one, and he's kind of a great pool player. And he decides he's going to take Tom Cruise under his wing and they go cross country hustling pool halls. Um, but Tom Cruise's character is kind of uh, like a hot shot, and he doesn't want to listen to what Paul Newman's character has to say. And um, so Tom Cruise plays a guy named Vincent, and his girlfriend comes along, who he gets insanely jealous of when they're doing hustles. And um, it's it's a really really good movie. It's not like action packed. It hinges on performances by Paul Newman and Tom Cruise, and they're really really good. Um, because Tom Cruise plays a guy you really don't like in it because mm-hmm. he's such an ass and you're like dude just listen to Paul Newman it's he's, Paul Newman yeah. look at his eyes yeah. just do what he dude, says look how so gorgeous handsome. his eyes are um, and you know there's so many poignant scenes in it there's a I forget the girl's name in it Mary Mastrano, Elizabeth Mastrano I forget her fucking mm. name 
Um, she's in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> but she uh, is Tom Cruise's girlfriend in it. Yeah. And there's a great scene where she uh, keeps, like, Paul Newman comes in to see Tom Cruise's character, and she's naked in the mirror, and she's just, she doesn't get dressed. She kind of looks at Paul Newman and, like, flirts with her, mm-hmm. with him. And then he Paul Newman comes back a little later, and she opens the door, and she has, like, her shirt opened up so you can see her boobs and stuff. Yeah. And then Paul Newman goes in there and is like, you want me to, you know, do this to you? You want, you want blah, 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 blah. Why are you doing this? And it's just a cool scene because uh, he doesn't want anything to do with her, but she's trying to use her sexuality to um, persuade him. I don't know what to do, but um, mess with him. But the end of the movie is they go to this pool hall tournament in Atlantic City. Um, Tom Cruise is doing really well. And then they end up meeting in the semifinals, or not the semifinals, like the quarterfinals. And um, Tom Cruise loses to him. And, you know, Paul Newman's really happy. But then he finds out that Tom Cruise tanked it on purpose. And uh, so it sets up, like, a conflict at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great. It's great because Paul Newman's like, man, I don't want to... I don't want to... I want to beat you for real. I don't want you to tank the game on purpose. Yeah. But what is interesting and so poetic about that moment is all the stuff that Eddie was teaching Vincent came back to kind of bite him in the ass. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, And there's also an early performance by Forrest Whitaker. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he's in it. Oh, funny. I don't remember that. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. The Blu-ray is not a good transfer, though. It's Oof. maybe one of the worst-looking Blu-rays I've seen. Oof. Uh, there's times when it looks really good, and then other times, you're like, wow, this is a Scorsese picture, right? With Academy Award-winning Paul Newman in this role. He won an Academy Award for it, and Tom Cruise, and you guys can't make the transfer better. Yeah. And which is really a bummer is I got it at Second Spin, used, but it was a 25th anniversary one, and there's nothing, there's no bonus features, <laughs> and the transfer's not that good, so. That's that's a shame. You think it would they would care to make it nice, you know? Yeah. What do I know? Um, I also saw a movie called Life After Beth, which is the Aubrey oh, Plaza, yeah. Dane DeHane zombie movie. Yeah. Um, it's like Warm Bodies, but with a lady. Yeah, and it's written and directed by the guy who wrote I Heart Huckabees. He did not direct I Heart Huckabees, obviously. David O. Russell did. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, uh, man, this movie, it's supposed to be a comedy. Um, and there's some funny parts in it. It's just a weird movie. Um, but the performances are really, really good in it. And I think it's a movie I'm going to watch. I think it's a movie I have to watch again. Hmm. Um, in the movie, uh, Dandy Hayne plays uh, a kid whose girlfriend, Beth, dies. And she you don't even see how she dies. At the beginning of the movie, she uh, Aubrey Plaza is like running. Beth is running. running, And then the next scene, Dandy Hayne's character is in um, a grocery store. And he's in a suit, and he's just staring at napkins. And the dude says, can I help you something? And he wants black napkins. And you, he goes to his, her funeral. And um, it turns out she was bit by a snake while she was jogging, and she died from it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then John C. Riley plays her dad, and they have this really like poignant scene. They're playing chess, and you know he says, "You know, we're, me and Beth were having problems." And her dad, Maury, says, "I know, I know, but you know, we're here for you, and we love you." And it's it's a really great scene. Hmm. Um, and then they ignore his calls, and he shows up to the house one day, and he sees that Beth is there. 
or he thinks she is. And so he starts going crazy and he comes home and there's this great scene where he says, so Beth's alive and it's all a lie. So I want to fucking thank you for that. Um, <laughs> so there's like these moments that it's kind of funny, but it's an uncomfortable funny. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to make of it, but the movie's good. Like, I don't know. It's, it's an unusual movie. Um, anyways, so Beth doesn't remember dying. She doesn't remember why she's back. And she has, she's like, her brain is stuck in, um, uh, like a past. She keeps on saying she has to study for a test and she go lives, she lives in the attic and no one knows why. And it turns out it's like the zombie thing. And then zombies just start showing up and around town mm-hmm. and slowly they start deteriorating and then all hell breaks loose. Um, it's a really interesting movie. Hmm. Um, and I mean, Aubrey Plaza and Dane DeHane are amazing in it. So I, I, I would recommend checking it out just cause it's so different um cool yeah it's called life after beth um of course i was gonna get it because i'm a zombie movie guy right um and it's one of those movies that if you get it the first week on amazon i think it was like nine dollars or something oh snap so <laughs> whatever it's yeah it's less than buying it to see it in the theaters and you know is is good enough cool um so that was good uh i also got wrong turn trilogy was on blu-ray <laughs> for sale <laughs> i think i don't know if it's at target or best buy but halloween they always have the, like yeah. horror films the first, the second, or the third trilogy? Uh, the, so it had the first, second, and third one. Oh, the original. The, the original trilogy. Okay. Um, and so, like, I think it was Target, or I can't remember if it was Target or Best Buy. It was like seven bucks for all three of them on Blu-ray. I was like, eh, fuck it, who cares? <laughs> and the first one's not bad. It's um, Stan Winston does all the creature effects in it, so it's pretty Ooh. cool. It's basically Hicks in the woods killing people yeah. um, with Eliza Dushku. I was going to say, the first one's Eliza Dushku. Uh, so, I mean, it's... It's well made, and the other ones were directed Blu-ray or DVD or whatever it was, so the quality goes way down. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was actually a theatrical release, and you can tell it had money behind it. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I saw was See No Evil, which is another horror film. Is that the one with the guy with the hook? Yeah, it's uh, Kane, who is a wrestler. Yeah. And I kept on hearing things about I didn't know if I really ever wanted to see it. I saw trailers for it. I'm like, eh, it doesn't look that good. Um, but again, during Halloween, a lot of Blu-rays of horror movies are super cheap. I'm sure if they had Thanksgiving movies, they'd be cheap, too. Um, oh, they do. Uh, Garfield, the Thanksgiving And, story. you know, Charlie Brown. Um, yeah. But it's it's really violent. And, I mean, if you're a slasher fan, there's some cool moments in it. But the acting is so bad. Mm. And the directing is so bad. I mean, uh, I hate when directors try to create tension by tilting and shaking the camera constantly. Yeah. And then making things going in and out of focus. It just drives me crazy. It doesn't create tension for me. It just creates obnoxiousness. Yeah. Um, it's basically taking what saw did and trying to make it their film. I'm in it too. The acting so bad. There's, um, people that are from Australia and you can tell that they're trying to do an American accent. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, Sam Worthington. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like Sam Worthington only better. Um, <laughs> if you, if you like splatter movies though, I mean, there's some pretty gruesome things in it. Um, but overall I'd say it's about a little below a middle of the road slasher film. (laughs) Um, so I'd put it in the same category as final exam, um, for all my slasher film fans out there. Man. Yeah. I I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, it was was all right. I mean, there's a worse way to spend an hour and 20 minutes. If you like those movies, you would hate it, but I'm sure. (laughs) Well, is it so bad that it's like creature bad? No. Okay. Then yeah, I'll hate it. Because Creature is bad because it's so incompetently made. 
Right. It's this awesome. one, I, I mean, there's some moments in it that are pretty fun. If you like slasher slasher movies, yeah. Like this girl falls out of this window and she's like tied to um, like linen, and her just before she hits the ground, she breaks her arm, and so there's blood pouring everywhere. And then a pack of wild dogs eat her. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, other than that. No, whatever. And what'd you watch this week, James? That's the horror movie I want to see, where, like, <laughs> just people live in normal lives, and then all of a sudden, pack of wild dogs eats them. Right? Just right. out of you nowhere. Need, you need, I was trying to say something. She was like the Oh, PETA. shit, my shoe's untied. Hold on a second, guys. <laughs> oh, wild dogs. Yeah, so as I said before, honestly, I I haven't really done much this week except for watch some Cheers and nice. watch uh, or and, and play a lot of uh, um, Shadows of Mordor. Nice. Both of which are good. Uh, I'm a big I'm a big Sam and Diane guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I uh, when I was a kid, I used to like my my version of rebelling as a as a young teenager was that uh, when I was not in school, like during the summer and such, I would stay up late. And I would watch Cheers. You didn't. And Doctor Who <laughs> until uh, you were un- cool until you said Doctor Who <laughs> until Doctor until uh, Adult Swim came on. But back then it wasn't Adult Swim; it was just Cartoon Planet. Mm-hmm. So I'd watch like some Space Ghost, and then I'd go to bed at about one o'clock in the morning. And that's how I rebelled. Rebel, rebel. Everybody rebel. else was like doing drugs and drinking and shit. <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's what I imagine. Um, yeah. And so that's that's honestly all I have. Uh, GC, this is my favorite panel of the week. It's Peter Porker, the spectacular spider ham, <laughs> punching the looter in the face. <laughs> it made me laugh when I turned that page. <laughs> in the comic. Uh, cool. Real news. It's real news. We got some of that. Yeah. How do you feel about The Force Awakens? You know... Here, here's the thing: is I actually think it's a cool title because one, they dropped the episode seven, which I think is actually not a bad idea, and I'll tell you my reasoning why. Is because you know I didn't even notice that because they have those spinoffs coming, yeah, and I also think they're trying to distance themselves from from the, the prequels, right, right, because because the episode number became mm-hmm. a big part of exactly everybody refers to those movies like nobody refers to Empire as episode five. They refer to it as Empire, but but the prequels they refer to one. It as one episode one, two, and three. I think that's part of the reason. And two, very smart. Here's here's my thinking behind it. So they say it's called the Force Awakening Awakens mm-hmm. because by Luke or uh, Anakin throwing uh, the Emperor over and Vader dying, yeah. there is no balance to the Force anymore. Right. Because if all the Sith are gone, then the Jedi are running wild. And so there's the really f- only like. Two Jedi. Exactly. Well, like, no, like one and a half, because the idea is maybe Leia has powers. Exactly. So where does the Force awaken? Maybe it awakens in somebody who's evil. It's a Sith Lord. Ooh. So I think I, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, no, they, I, I. The only reason I don't like it is because it's got the word Force in it. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds dumb, but, like... It sounds better than um, The Phantom Menace. Until I di- until I disagree. Until after I, you watch the movie, I, I, I disagree. I really like the name of the Phantom Menace. Like it's the Phantom Menace to me sounds like a really cool James Bond title. But you're one of those people that like that movie, so I am. But like it's got some subtlety to it. But you know? yeah, like you have to think about it for a while. Be like the Phantom Menace. No, Attack of the Clones isn't great. Um, it, 
Attack of the Clones would have been cool if not for the Phantom Menace. So what I mean by that is <laughs> if if af- if before you'd seen any prequels, mm-hmm. somebody came to you and said the titles of the three movies are The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and then Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones might be your favorite because it it calls back to this like very subtle reference in the in A New Hope where he's mm-hmm. talking about the Clone Wars and nobody really knows yeah. what the hell he's talking about. Like that title is kind of cool. I think cool. Revenge of the Sith sounds the coolest. Nah. Phantom Menace is really neat. Yeah. It's a really cool title. Agree to disagree. Um, like we always have about the prequels. Right, right, right. <laughs> about how good the Phantom Menace is. It's really good, man. That's not even true. The Phantom Menace is not really good. It's just the it's, it's the best of three. I, I always I've always I've said this a lot. It's better when you take away the hype. Yeah, because it's still not. It's still my least favorite of the prequels, but it's not bad. Yeah. Again, I, I can live with it. I can watch. I can watch it right now and still be enjoy it. So. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about more Toy Story movies? I'm all on board. All right. I I honestly was kind of disappointed by that. Really? Yeah. It's John Lasseter though. He's really great. I know. I, and here's the thing. I'm. I'm going to say this fully aware of the fact that in two years I'm going to eat these words. <laughs> You're not going to say it. You cannot say a Pixar movie is going to be bad. I'm not going to say it's going to be bad. I'm sa- I'm literally saying it's going to be great, and in two years I'm probably going to say it's my favorite of the four, but I, I kind of don't want more Toy Story. Like, I like where it is. I love <laughs> it, the story it, it they told. It ended really beautifully. It ended so well. Like, I want those guys to go make other great stories. They must have a story and, they want to tell. And I'm kind of frustrated because, I like, th- yeah, this is coming out of a place of frustration where just a few years ago, Pixar was doing so well and they were they were building up to this place where it was like, look, we're going to have two movies a year. Like, this is going to be awesome. And they've they've stumbled a lot and they've not put out movies for a couple of years now. And, you know, because the last one was Monsters University. Mm-hmm. Um and we haven't really seen anything real about the good dinosaur and they canceled the the lizard movie and like so it's just i i want them to put out something good otherwise i'm, I'm starting to get really nervous you know pixar's always had that tumultuous stuff yeah. and and i know that they are doing it for good reasons like i know that they're doing it because the quality of the lizard movie wasn't really where where they wanted it and and that the good dinosaur had some like like directors changed and things like that like they they're trying to make sure that those movies stay as good as what we expect from them. Um, it just makes me nervous to not like they were they were doing so well that to see them not put something out for a while and then be like, uh, I don't fuck it, make another Toy Story movie. Like <laughs> it's just well, I don't know. Year have, next year they have two coming out. They have the Good Dinosaur and Inside Out. So oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully Inside Out will be really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just it just makes me nervous. Um, I don't know. Do I want to talk well, about it? In two years, I'll be like, dude, how great is Toy Story 4? You're like, I fucking loved it. No, I know. Th- that part where, the part where Woody saved everybody again. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to cry. Like, it's going to be great. But I'm just saying now, like, if you ask me right now, James, do you want to watch another Toy Story movie or this other? Or, like, do you want to watch the Toy Story movie or do you want to watch Inside Out right now? I would rather watch Inside Out. Hmm. Because I'd rather them tell me a story. Because they've. They've impressed me so many times with their new mm-hmm. stories that I, I want something different. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing, too, is everybody loves those characters so much. I'm not yeah. surprised that they go back to it. Yeah. 
No, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, there's some bullshit about the Warcraft movie. I still can't believe oh. that movie's coming out, and you. I know. I there's either. like it's been shot. It's yeah. been shot, and you don't know anything about it. <laughs> I keep I keep saying like I'll believe that movie when I see it. <laughs> like it's still they've made it though. It's it like costs like two hundred million dollars. I know, but it's like my version of when uh, when Brad kept saying uh, that he Ninja didn't Turtles. think the Ninja Turtles <laughs> yeah. was ever going to come out. Like I still feel like you know there's all these great actors in it, and and I see the names of the characters in there, and I'm like, dude, that's cool. Like I totally want to see Medivh in a movie. Like that sounds amazing. <laughs> I can't wait. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, fucking Cadgar? Like, yeah, I will watch the shit out of a movie with Cadgar in it. <laughs> but I don't, be- like, the- I haven't seen a character yet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it's so bizarre that the movie's shot and you don't know anything about it. Right. Yeah. Don't know it. Well, I know that it's got Cadgar in it mm-hmm. and Medivh. Looks like pictures of swords, too. So. Yep. Yeah, it's got weapons and shields. <laughs> it's probably got orcs. Something about, like, medieval stuff. It's probably got orcs and it's got men in it, probably. Um, there will probably be. Like a a black portal, just throwing that out there. Um, anyway, I, honestly, I hope that movie's really good because I like those games. I also I like cool. I like movies where orcs and people fight. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. As, as somebody who's spent a lot of time this week stabbing orcs in the neck, which is super satisfying, by the way, <laughs> I will totally watch right. any movie where you get to watch orcs get stabbed in the neck. I know it's just something about it. Like that new trailer for the Hobbit movie. Super excited about that. Yeah, right. I really want to see some orcs get stabbed Dude, in the neck. I can't wait to see a 55-minute battle <laughs> in the new Hobbit movie. <laughs> uh, what are we going to... You want to make three Hobbit movies? What are we going to do in the third movie? I don't know. Just fucking fight, man. Just, like, lots yes. of fighting. How about just... I was reading, a, I was reading an fight. interview with Peter Jackson about the Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah. Four, I think they said 52 minutes or something is the final battle. Oh, man. Sign me up. Oh, yep, yep. <laughs> Um, did you guys talk about all the uh, all the Marvel movies last week? We did. Cool. Then I, I think that's the news, unless I miss something. Um, I don't think so. Nope. Cool. This is what's coming out on Blu-ray. DVD releases and Blu-rays. This is a good week. Yeah, this is a good week. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon Part Two. It was a fun movie. Yeah, it's really good. I I need to. I didn't pre-order it, but I need to. Um, we've got the entire, the, or the complete TV series of Batman. So torn edition. on that. I am so torn on that. It comes with, does it come with a little car? It does. Yeah, it comes with a little Hot Wheels car. It's just so expensive. Yeah. I'm not, can I, can I be real honest? Mm-hmm. Not torn at all. Do no. not give a shit. I used to watch that with my grandfather. Yeah. Um, I'm, I know it's not good, but. Yeah. I've never <laughs> like, like, it's okay. So that's one of the things that, that Brad had accused me of, like, hey, oh, in the news, you didn't talk about the fact that, mm-hmm. like, maybe the biggest nerd news ever, that, that they're they're releasing that stuff on Blu-ray. I just don't give a shit. <laughs> I never would have talked about that in the news. Like, I don't care. Sorry. Um, I also don't care about the fact that the Lost Missions of the Clone Wars yep. saga comes out this week. It's supposed to be a good cartoon. I never watched it, it, though. It is. Uh, <laughs> the final season of True Blood. Mm. Is on Blu-ray this week, so is there more I, vampire fucking in it? I probably, I don't nice. know. I fell off of that show. I re- man, season two is real good, real real good. Uh, Jersey Boys, which is uh, that's a Clint Eastwood one, a Clint Eastwood film from the Frankie year. Valley in the Four Seasons. Yep, Tammy. Yeah, that fat oh woman? dude, extended cut. Yeah, mm-hmm. pre-ordered. <laughs> they should have called it like the super plump cut. <laughs> Can I just be fair? Be a, like, I'm not making fun of her because she's fat. I am. I'm making fun of that movie. 
because it makes fun of the fact that she's fat. And that's the only thing, you know, the one thing that bugs me about her, um, she's a talented comedian. I'm not saying she's not. Oh, she's great. But they always say about her weight, but she's the one who wrote that movie and they make fun of how fat she is. Mm -hmm. That drives me bananas. Yeah. As a fat man? Yeah. I don't don't like it. You know, yeah, because I can make those jokes, but it's not funny. No, someone who's was great at being fat and falling was Chris Farley. John Candy. John Candy. Exactly. Yeah. Melissa um, McCarthy? Meh, not so much. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You can make those jokes if there's still some heart to it. If that's mm-hmm. all you've got is, hey, look at her try to jump over this counter. Like, I don't know. That movie just did not sell itself very well. Uh, Let's Be Cops comes wow, out this week. Wow, that was fast. Yeah, it was. That's how you know it didn't make much money. It did. It made tons of money. I think it made $90 really? million. Dollars, yeah. Oh, man. Well, good. Guess I'm wrong then. Uh, Gator. Burt Reynolds Gator. Nice. The Bayou's, the Bayou's baddest good old boy is back. <laughs> I, is, this isn't Gator 2. This is Gator. So what is he back from? <laughs> I don't know. Crocodile? Those are kind of movies that I'll buy just if they get cheap. Holy shit. Um... It's got the other dude from Smoking the Bandit in it. <laughs> I need to see this movie. That's a cool poster. I've never seen Gator. I've never heard of it. I Oh, I've heard of it. I need to see Gator. I'm going to run out and buy... Okay, so, yeah, the, the cover is really How cool. How much is it on Amazon right now? That's like 18 bucks. That's expensive. It is. I know. <laughs> uh, I need to go find a copy of Gator that someone else owns. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe that might be a three ninety nine uh, streaming oh, movie. Uh, uh, Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed's the other guy from... Is it... It's not telling me if it's uh it can't be like a shout factory or something. Mm, covers like covers is cool though. Uh but in the world of shout factory there is something coming out this week. Highly anticipated. I say that even though I didn't know this was coming out until <laughs> now. Um I anticipated enough that I'm just good. it's 20 bucks on Amazon. I'm going to fucking buy it right now. Uh Weird Al Yankovic's UHF, the 25th yeah. anniversary. Uh, this movie is fucking amazing. If you've never seen it, oh, uh, it's way ahead of its time. Uh, oh, totally. I watched totally. it recently, like last year, and I f- didn't remember all how clever it was. You know what I mean? Oh, it so holds up, man. You get to drink from the fire hose, <laughs> like that. That when you really think back to like the way that movie is making fun of television, it was. Yeah. Like, it's still relevant. Oh, yeah. Like, in the way that network is still relevant. Oh, dude, the cable guy? Jim Carrey has this monologue at the end, which is exactly what TV is now. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. <laughs> Man, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, if you've never seen UHF, just go get this movie. Yep. Um, it looks gorgeous. I hope that the special features are amazing. I'm sure yeah, it has a commentary with Weird Al. That's, that's worth good the enough. price of admission. That's good enough. I wonder if it's a new one, because there's, there's one on, I think there was one on my DVD. Uh, I it, I'm pretty sure it's new. You know, the good thing about Shout Factory, which Scream Factory is a branch of, yeah. is they do great documentaries on all their Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff. You yeah. have They Live, you know. Um, oh, yeah. They, uh, oh, they, yeah. They, they spend a lot of time doing them, so. Yeah, that's, that's really cool, man. I hope it's got a lot of, there's also, like, there's extra footage from a lot of the like little TV shows that they film oh, cool. as well. I'm sure all that stuff's on there. So, yeah, man, it's an awesome one. Cool. Uh, you missed Stuart Gordon's Dolls, which is a Scream Factory collector's edition, which I have coming out Oh, that I'm getting. It's interesting. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's kind of a like Chucky slasher 80s campy horror movie, huh. which I'm all about. Well, let me see what the, what is the, is the cover cool? Yeah, oh, that's awesome. It's my favorite Scream Factory, actually. 
Besi- oh, actually, Motel Hell's my favorite. This one's a close second because it's really well done. Huh. Um, the cover art for it. <laughs> you're gonna have to put horror movie. James. Yeah, if you no, type I dolls got, into Amazon, you're yeah, I just got I just got like dolls. Um, oh yeah, that is a pretty cool cover. Yeah. I don't know how I missed it when I was scrolling through. It looks like it's a neat little slip as well. Yeah, what's great about they walk, screen they factory, talk, reversible. They kill. That's weird. Yeah. Why is this lady just holding an eye? Oh, you'd have to watch the movie to find out. Oh, is it like a doll's eye? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Nice. Uh, this week, we saw Interstellar. James, should people go see Interstellar? Um, so, yes. And, okay, so in a few moments, I'm going to start getting really hyperbolic about how good this movie is. And I'm going to say some things that are over the top and probably crazy. So this but is like your 500 days of summer this year. No, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Um, but there is one thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ramble a little bit here. I'm sorry. Um, it's probably a little bit. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I think that the sound mix in this movie is fucked. Mm. Um, I think that, and and the reason that I bring it up is that these are it's problems that I sort of had with The Dark Knight Rises as well. Um, but I I just sort of wrote them off. Uh, but it was a shame that like there are lines of dialogue in The Dark Knight Rises that I didn't know what the character said until I got the Blu-ray and listened to it on my TV speakers, and then I was like, oh, oh, that's what they were saying. Mm. Um, this one, I didn't say anything when I came out of the theater, but my I, I had this problem, and then I saw the movie with my parents, and they came out, and they were like, there were like lines of dialogue and like jokes and stuff that I just couldn't hear. Hmm. Um, and I sort of knew this was a problem going in. I'd seen some other articles about this idea that maybe the mix is off and I'd heard that it's even worse in IMAX. Um, so the reason that I bring it up is that I think something needs to be said because my fear is that this is a habit and that whoever is doing Nolan's mixing is in, in this case, the music is too damn loud. And so you miss good lines of dialogue and honestly, like some of them I could sort of half figured out what they said and I knew that it was, something very meaningful to what inevitably is an absolutely amazing movie. Um, This movie is probably important and is saying something really, really cool and is one of the most interesting pieces of science fiction that I have seen since Prometheus. I mean, you know, in, (laughs) in years Um, it's just, it's really, really good and absolutely gorgeous. So the, the sort of other shoe dropping here is that as much as I say, man, the sound mix here is fucked up, um, and it, and from what I've heard, I'm going to go see the IMAX tomorrow, so I don't know for sure, but from what I've heard, it's even worse in IMAX. Um, you should see this movie in theaters, and you should probably see this movie in IMAX, because it's gorgeous. Just looking at this movie is fun. Um, so it's it's just an added bonus that the story at its core, the characters at its core are really interesting and i enjoy spending time with them and the 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 themes that it's playing with are very um powerful to me and i i I like thinking about what this movie is saying so yeah go see this movie i went and saw it at uh cinemark's xd which is a bigger screen and uh i think it's 35 millimeter Mm -hmm. um i didn't have that issue with it i don't i didn't notice it 
Okay. Uh, and it's something like that. I think I would have yeah. if it was that noticeable. Did you did you like follow, especially early on? And this isn't real spoilers, but uh, some of the jokes about humor early on, like when they first take off in the ship. Did you catch all yeah. of those lines? Yeah. You didn't? When he was like, oh, what's your, what's your setting at? Yeah. 90%? Can you tone yeah. that down to 75%? Yeah, I got all that. Okay. Um, and you didn't feel like you were struggling to mm-hmm. hear it? Okay. Interesting. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, Good. I mean, I hope it's not true. It's yeah. like, to me, it's starting to feel like a trend, and that's the only reason mm-hmm. I bring it up. Yeah. I, d- I don't know. Maybe did you see it digitally? Or I, d- I did see it digitally. I saw, like, I saw it on 35 so you saw millimeter. It on film, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe the digital has a. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, or I just didn't notice. And like I said, I would. this kind of thing happens, and I, I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean for me was mm. almost ruined by the sound because I was mm. sitting in a place in the theater where it echoed a little oh. bit in an AMC. Um, and so the only reason I bring this up is because I've, I have heard it from other sources, had other people I was with have the problem, and... Uh, was in an Alamo, so that I know, I know that the the theater was good, um, and so that's why. And and have had this problem with a previous movie of his, hmm. so that's the only reason I bring it I up. You're saying. Like, this bothers me a little. Hmm. Um, so anyway, sorry. That's the last thing I'll say. About um, it. So should people go see this movie? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I am going to add a little thing on this. Mm-hmm. It, I feel the way about this movie as I felt about Birdman. Um, Interesting. Where. <sighs> You, ha- Birdman, you have to see it. Interstellar, you have to see it. I'll get into my problems with the movie uh, after we play the trailer. I want to try to find the first trailer because I just love when Matthew McConaughey speaks. Oh, I will if you can find it. I'm, oh. I'm sure it's on our EPK file. I oh, know. I'll. F- I'm a huge NASA fan. I'll find that fucking trailer. <laughs> nice. We've always defined ourselves by the ability to overcome the impossible. And we count these moments. The first ever to fly faster than the speed of sound. These moments when we dared to aim higher, to break barriers, to reach for the stars. 76, you are go. To make the unknown known. We count these moments as our proudest achievements. Having fired the imagination of a generation. But we lost all that. Pulls into port for the last time. Or perhaps we've just forgotten. That we are still pioneers, that we've barely begun, and that our greatest accomplishments cannot be behind us, because our destiny lies above us. So I will say that. This movie plays on a lot of my sense of like sensibilities. I know. I you so, know. Like, I, I, 
you're talking I will, NASA, I will, and, NASA and Americana when I'm watching and like I'll, the fucking Dust Bowl. It's so and funny. I'm just like, oh my god, and Matthew McConaughey, and so I'm just like, how can I not love this I know, movie? It's, I, I was watching. The, I went and saw it Thursday night yeah. at ten o'clock uh, in the the big movie theater in Belmar, and um, I was in there with two people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because it's ten o'clock on a Thursday, and it's a long movie. Um, and it, when it starts, and Matthew McConaughey's talking, and he's and he's chasing down that probe, yeah. uh, uh, not probe, uh, the drone. Drone. Uh, I was like, oh, James is going to love this movie. We know it's, it starts with the When Harry Met Sally interviews. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It does. Which that, even that. It's alone, interesting. Like that kind of a thing. I'm like, dude, this is cool. So, and, and it doesn't explain it. So no. at first I was like, are these people in this world or are these interviews of actual Dust Bowl survivors? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Right? Like, um, I couldn't figure it like, out. Because I thought at the beginning they're just saying, oh, this is the Dust Bowl. This was like for the Dust Bowl, right. what it's like for them now. Mm-hmm. Um the, the the movie is I mean you, you get most gist of it I'll just recap then we'll get into it yeah um, Matthew McConaughey plays a test pilot who uh, what the hell oh, oh it's the, the ghost is pushing your baby bonnet oh no thingy. is it trying to communicate uh, <laughs> the remember spoilers guys um, yeah. oh yeah we're getting into spoilers. so he's he he was a test pilot and he could no longer be a test pilot because of some traumatic experience that happened to him and now yeah, he's, he's, he's now he's a farmer. Wreck, yeah. Um, he's a farmer, and it's very important to be a farmer now, and it's because basically all the world's food is going away except for corn, and he's a corn grower. Yeah, there's there's some kind of the, they they call it the blight. There's something that is is adapting and killing a lot of plants. Yeah, um, in droves. What I do like about this movie is it takes place in the future, but it doesn't tell you when it takes place in the future, mm-hmm. and it seems a completely plausible future. Yeah, um, yeah, it doesn't pin it down, but it mm-hmm. it sort of gives you a pretty good idea. It's like a near like future kind of movie. Know that, yeah, you kind of know that Michael Caine's probably my age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it, the the movie is well made, very well made. Um, I, I have I have issues with it though, um, but I'll get into the stuff I really loved. Um, I love the part where Matthew McConaughey has to go to the school because Murph is in trouble. Yeah. And the reason she's in trouble is because she said the moon landing was real. And then the teacher says that it's just propaganda that the, we wanted to bankrupt the Russians. Where And then McConaughey is so great in that scene. And he gets so mad. Uh, and because... What's funny is she said it's propaganda, but now you can see that the textbooks they have are nothing but propaganda right. because it's hinted at that it's fake, but that you know it happened. And Matthew McConaughey's like, no, it happened. And then they have this huge heated argument about it. And then he comes back out into the truck and she says, so how'd it go? He's like, well, I got you suspended for a week. Yeah. <laughs> like he just got her in more trouble and it's, uh, yeah. it, it's pretty great. Um, he's really good in the movie. He really is. Um, because they stumble across NASA. NASA was outlawed for I can't remember. Well, it's not it's not outlawed. The argument is that um, oh they they made the, a mistake for the government. The, they dropped that bomb somewhere. No, no, what was, no. What was no. happened? The, you, you, you were having mix, sound mix problems, so you didn't hear oh, okay, what was going cool. on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the uh, I can't remember. It was two days ago. <laughs> no, the the argument was that NASA NASA refused to to do like some some bombing oh, missions okay. and stuff like that, or or just didn't really want to be involved in it. And the, the argument was that um, that that they had to keep NASA a secret mm-hmm. because in a world where feeding people is the most important thing to most people. 
um, spending tax dollars on space exploration oh, that's right, is, that's right, that's is right. unethical. That's right. And so the idea is they sort of hide NASA because they actually understand that in a world where the Earth is becoming inhabitable, space exploration is the most important thing, yeah. but in a way that Which, is actually just damning. Just right up your alley. You're like, when they have a fake NASA and um, when the, the lunar... Model broke. I didn't think about. It. I was like, "Oh, James is gonna love this movie." The fuck yeah! <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Um, but here's the thing with the movie, though. It because, touches on because because uh, because space exploration is is a bipartisan issue that is more <laughs> that because our future is actually more imp- important than our present, and and we That's should right. probably give money to things. Anyone in power, mm-hmm. anyway. Off by uh, soapbox. <laughs> but you know, McConaughey is. Um, He's roped into going on this mission. They find a black hole. The worst thing about the movie, by the way, yeah. as far as I, like the worst it, plot it, element in the movie yeah. is, oh shit, there's a shack here. I guess I should go into space. Yeah, like yeah. I forgive stuff like that. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I did too. I'm just saying, like from my point of view, that was the, yeah. that was one of those clunky moments in the script where I was like, oh, you got to get us from point A to point B. Yeah. All right, um, cool. So there's a black hole, and he goes up with Anne Hathaway and Wes Bentley's in this movie. <laughs> and uh, the speaking, he's not the most the shocking only person. Surprise? No, there's a huge <laughs> surprise in this movie. Um, so they, you know, they launch up, and I actually really liked. I forget the scientist's name, but he was talking about the black hole, how you get from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and he pokes a hole through the. Uh, the piece paper. of paper and he folds it down. He says, see, it's, yeah, it I thought that was sphere. really, it's a sphere. Yep. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, Anne Hathaway goes, they're touching me. And that part really, I'm like, that part really bugged me. Yeah. Um, they're, like things like that. But it, did it bug you the first time it happens in the movie or the second time? Both. <laughs> okay. Cause it didn't bug me the first time. Really? I was mostly, it was it was like this weird it almost felt like a red herring where i was like mm-hmm. wow this is this is weird like what's well at going first on i thought there? they were just going through and is maybe cuz they're going through the black hole it just it was just warping stuff warping stuff yeah i mean that might be my star trek mind right <laughs> exactly yeah um, but uh, you never thought i'd ever say that huh my star <laughs> trek mind um uh. But then that's when the movie starts losing me because it's fascinating. I I think it's really, it's really interesting when they go into that water planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess I should say that they sent all these people on these missions and now they're trying to, they are going to find these people to see what earth is most inhabitable. Right. So they like, they like sent 12 individual ships through this wormhole and three of them different planets and uh, three of them were like, Hey, our planet's probably good. Yeah. Um, so they're sending this ship to explore those three planets to pick one of them for us to then go inhabit. Yeah. So the first one they go to is that water planet, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, it looks freaking amazing. Um, yeah. It, yeah. And that, but that uh, scene where he's going in is like pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the idea of that every hour they're down there, seven years pass. Yeah, they're just, they're, but, they're too close to, well, and it ends up not even being seven years. No, it's miscalculated seven, yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, be, be, because math close to a black hole is not necessarily easy to do. No. Um, but then, like, I didn't like that Anne Hathaway had to get that thing from it, the wreck, mm-hmm. and she gets stuck, and then the robot has to go save her, and then... Yeah, it gets, it gets threateningly close to a, like, space horror, Right, mm-hmm. like it. 
it doesn't want to. It's fighting so hard against the idea of yeah, being exactly. being like a sunshine where you have to slowly pick off the characters. Um, but unfortunately, it is one of those. But I I think it hides it pretty well. See, that's where. But um, I start lose interest. But then, see, I lose interest in that scene because I think it's just there to put action in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so she because runs, it, because it's not it's not as interesting as the scene before it where they talk about how to slingshot or, themselves around. Oh, but then I was going to see, this is what I was saying. That my problem with Birdman too is like, I don't like that scene where, Oh, the, the engines are flooded, but then the scene on, in the inside of the spacecraft is fucking amazing. Right. Where Matthew McConaughey is like, you just fucking Yonder cost me. And, yeah. And, right. And then he's only thinking it's like seven years. Right. And then you get back up there when it's and 20, it's 23. That's it's, that, what? exactly. That scene is more interesting than the scene on the planet with the waves. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's I my, agree. But then they come back with that scene where he's yelling at Anne Hathaway about how stupid she is. Mm-hmm. And um, because, you know, McConaughey's thinking of him as a pilot. You know, he's he's a scientist. But he said, you know, you just fucking screwed us because right. you wanted to get this. And we knew that there's no way that any of this data is important. Right. When you see yeah. that. When you, you know, see a seven hundred foot wave. wave. <laughs> Where are you going to build a house, lady? Like, come on, yeah. And to me, that's great because you see how selfish Brand is as a scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's that scene you find out that she's in love with one of the doctors, and that's why she wants to go to that. And you know, he just has that line. It's like, tell him he 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 deserves to know. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yeah, it's a, it's a, oh my god, like that's. That's why this movie is really good because <laughs> scenes like that yeah, but are the... are so fascinating. And then when you think about them, like especially afterwards, like as we sit here and think about Matthew McConaughey has this really amazing scene where he basically accuses her of not being able to think scientifically because she's in love with this guy. And the truth is she's right, mm-hmm. right? But we can't trust her. Yeah. It's a very... Um, it's interesting because you, you're on Matthew McConaughey's side. Right, exactly. Like you, I don't trust you because you just proved I can't trust you. Right, exactly. And that's, and that's my problem with this movie. As I really enjoyed it. But then you have you know the, the spacecraft surfing on water, and then it's not broken up with... The, but then you get the scenes where they're talking, and you know he goes up there and like, I waited 23 years for you. Oh, and you say, dude, they were gone for less than an hour. Right, right. Um, and it's it's just heartbreaking. Well, um, but but that's like one scene. Like the, like yes. there's a couple more scenes. Okay. Um, all right. All right. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dissect the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's keep um, going. Let's keep going. And then the after that great scene where McConaughey says, "You know, you can't think right." And then half uh, Brand has a great scene too. She says, "Well, I hope you're right too because we don't have a, any chance to get back." Right. And I, Ooh, this is right, pretty exactly. interesting. The stakes get really high. Um, and then they land on the planet, and they awaken another scientist who's fucking Matt Damon? <laughs> yeah. How do they keep that a secret? I don't know. That is awesome. I'll be completely honest. I don't think it was a great choice. Really? Um, I think he's really good, but unfortunately... Do you when think that, it's distracting? Yeah. When when he shows up, everybody in the theater went, no shit, Matt Damon. <laughs> like, nobody was sitting there like, what's this guy? How, do I trust this guy? Like, what? You know, like... The great, the good thing is Matt Damon is such a great actor that he's able to recuperate. Oh yeah, no, I think movie. he's really like, good he in the gets movie. You, right, exactly. That's the thing. Like it's a, it's it's twofold. Um, but I, I honestly, if it were me, I would have revealed he was in the movie somehow in the trailer, hmm. just so that, like, so the shock of it. 
just so that you do away with mm-hmm. that. Because, yeah, I, I think Matt that Damon. that's a price. I mean, it is really good, though. It the is. The fact that he kept that a secret and, like... But what's great, too, about that whole bit is, you know, this, he's because he sent out this thing saying, hey, it's inhabitable, it's this. And he says, yeah, I'll take you to underneath the surface where it has, you know, clean water and breathable air and blah, 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 blah. Because they're on, like, this ice planet, like Hoth. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you say, oh, cool. And that's the thing. Like, I, as much as I make the one argument, I could make the argument the other way and say that Matt Damon is so good, especially mm-hmm. when you do meet him, that he he gets the audience fairly quickly to trust him, even though he isn't trustworthy. Yeah. Um, and trust him in a way that once we find out he's not trustworthy, we kind of simply his his character and that story is one of the most important ones in the movie. Yeah, um, but then, so here comes my thing that I don't like about the movie. Okay. So they have that huge scene, and it's great, and he's taking McConaughey's uh, Cooper out, and he's walking him. And then they have, like, the worst fight ever in oh. in movie. Well, and but they're, they're in spacesuits on another, I know, like, how... It's boring. They can't fucking karate chop well, each wait, other on can, another planet. I understand. Where the, where, it's boring. Where the, where, the, so, where the gravity is 80%. So Matt Damon cracks open McConaughey's, or Cooper's, space helmet mm-hmm. and he's able to find his transmitter that happens to be right by him put it in his thing and say help me and then hathaway comes and gets him in the nick of time like stuff like that it's movie's so smart it doesn't need stuff like that <laughs> and that's my problem so, with movie. okay so i agree with you as far as like the bones of the movie the actual like backbone of the movie is a kind of rote sci-fi thriller. Okay? Mm-hmm. So like the if you really boiled the beats down into okay, they go to this planet and this guy's evil and then they fight and then like they catch up and then they got to but he's got their ship so they got to go get to the space station in time. Like those action movie mm-hmm. beats are are superficial at times, but the layers and layers of um of sort of th- of the themes about humanity and what all of this really means for mm-hmm. us, I think is way more important and, uh, and makes up but for, that, but see, that's my problem too, is because this movie is so much smarter everywhere else Yeah, that it, it falls into that. The fact that something has to be happening yeah. is actually, because the movie is like, it's getting so close to art yeah. that because, because like they cut, they cut through a lot of the bullshit you would normally get. Right. So you don't really get much of a scene where, uh, like, instead of having a scene where he suits up and and sort of learns to fly the ship again, and he walks in slow motion to get into his seat, mm-hmm. we don't have that. We yeah, have a very yeah. artsy version where, like, this very two thousand and one style music starts to play as he gets into his truck and drives away. Yeah, but and then, the then I also have to deal with off. Michael Caine's not go gently into the night thing. It's like, oh, come on. I really liked that. But then they repeat it, and then you just... But, you know, and then... What, what, but but it's like the, the movie, then again, it elevates, because I can... The, before the Matt Damon part, you know, or the the fight, is you find out that freaking Michael Caine's character's been lying the whole time. Right. And that's, like, that's so fascinating. Re- he's repeat, but he's repeating that thing as he goes gently into the night. And I don't mean, like, as he dies. I mean... Mm-hmm. The the lies that he's telling are even in that 
like him telling that poem because he has resigned humanity to death mm-hmm. yeah. even though he's encouraging them not to give up and you're like this is fucking sick yeah. so like when i go back and rewatch that movie when i hear because when i f- when they first did that reading i was moved mm. by it because i was even moved by it in the trailer i was like this is really cool like that's a great piece of a poem would you know what that poem is because that poem was written for i can't remember the poet's name but it was written for his father um so when you when you know that like the way that ties into Mm -hmm. the other themes about the fathers in these movies um i think that's really interesting um and so then like when i go back and rewatch that movie when michael Caine reads that line it's gonna be really gross to me um yeah maybe again this is like i told you this is my yeah. problem with this movie is you have to see it and i think it's a great movie but then i have these little it's so minute though i mean it's like picking apart i don't know some other movie that's great you know it's right. i mean it's just right i mean when i'm complaining that there's an action scene when i want to hear see two scientists talk <laughs> right, exactly. i mean i mean what what, exactly. what complaint is that really yeah um, where it's like uh, you know and i and i i i I do understand where you're coming from. Mm. Like, I, I don't necessarily agree. But yeah, but, but the general movie public isn't going to be like, oh, no. why, why is there more people talking? You know no, I mean? here's the thing. The general movie public is probably going to fucking hate this movie because they're going to be like, well, oh, it's kind of boring. Like, See, you I know, don't and think then it's they boring. just meanders and stuff. I don't think it's boring at all. But, um, I, but, I, but I think that the... I don't know. And maybe Even I'm, Jessica Chastain, I didn't mention her little, like, message to Brand where she says, yeah, I'm really sorry your dad's dead. Yeah. And she's not at all... Oh, that seems great. Um, and then she asked yeah. if her dad knew that he wasn't coming back. and Yeah. Because. And the way that I, gets revealed in the movie is. Yeah. Man. Because. there's just like weird unsettling details mm-hmm. of the world. Yeah. Like, I, I think those robots are weird. They are. I don't understand them. But I, I like I don't know why they're that way. Yeah. But I'm kind of okay with it because I'm like this. But is it makes sense. Different. It makes sense. I don't know that it does. Like, why would you build a robot that that works that way? I, I, it I, seems I don't, to make sense I have to no me. Idea. But I I love. Uh, I mean, there's that line where um, they're you know okay, so they get off that planet after Matt Damon's character, uh, Doctor Man, like blows up half the thing and there's a really tense scene where he's trying to interlock the so cool it's so great see those are the scenes i like though because there's tension to them um well and they're about like weird shit that only happens in space yeah exactly and i love that they didn't when they show outside there's no sound like because you know space doesn't make sound like it was that 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 scene is geeky cool the way that like um, Sandra Bullock shooting, or the Sandra Bullock throwing the the gas tank to propel herself towards something mm-hmm. in gravity was cool. Yeah. Like it's moments like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so they, you know, they interlock, and then you know McConaughey is Cooper is. Uh, I always call him McConaughey. I used to call him yeah. his character's name. Yeah. Cooper is uh, setting up how they're going to slingshot around the the black hole, i.e. Apollo thirteen, and yep, uh, it's just really cool and moments like that where you're. You're such a geek, and you're like, oh, this is so awesome. Yeah. Um, but I love the little interplay where he said, Brand says, whoa, you're just going to shoot TARS into the black hole? Right. Oh, I'm not going to ask him. You don't ask robots. Or what does he say? You don't yeah. have to ask robots for permission. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, even ask him if it was okay. He's a robot. I don't have to ask. But what was yeah. really cool, you know, there's another reveal there where he, you don't know that he's going to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. to go through here because he realizes with uh, the messages from his son and from his daughter that 
even if he goes back, he's got nothing there because they've mm-hmm. obviously don't care about him anymore because they don't understand what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that he sacrifices himself and then he goes through the black hole. Hold on. Before, okay. we, let, before we get into black hole world, <laughs> I want to address one more thing because we've also skipped over the fact that the whole time that they're in space, there is also this story back on Earth um, that pops in and out. So mm-hmm. they sort of... Um, sometimes they'll, you know, sort of seamlessly go like in the video. Mm-hmm. That was a really cool transition where, like, yeah, you're watching him, and then they cut over to her, and we start to follow her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of the really good ones, or the no, the very best one, one of the thing that this movie did really well was juxtaposing the story of her lighting her brother's farm on fire in order to save his wife and son. And Tom and or and Matt Damon's character sending that like he mm-hmm. and Matthew McConaughey fighting. Yeah. Right. Because there is this theme early on, or there's this is oh man, this movie like, is really good. It's like parallel worlds. Right. Well, and there's this conversation early on between Cooper and Brant, where Brant says that 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 there is no such thing as evil in nature, and that whatever we take with us into space is what we will build, and so. Mm-hmm the cowardice of Matt Damon's character and what he is unwilling to do or what he's willing to do in order to save himself is like, you know, it's showing us that, that how dangerous it is for us to (laughs) send certain people into space. Right. Because because what we inevitably find is that, that Brant and Cooper are the sort of, uh, they're the right people to go and yeah. explore space because they left something behind. Yeah, and they manipulate you with man, Matt Damon's mm-hmm. character, because the whole time uh, she's saying how great he is and he's mm-hmm. you know the brilliant mind. This is his idea. Yeah, and when you see him and he and he has that line where he says, "I didn't even set up a wake up call," mm-hmm. you know, because he didn't want to wake up, yeah. and yeah. then he wakes up. Oh, you really sympathize with the guy because right. how long has he been on this planet? Who knows. Yeah. You know, for him. Yeah. And uh, so it's really well done. And mm-hmm. Topher Grace is in it. Didn't know that either. Nope. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, that's a, you know, it's a powerful moment, too, is because you realize there's that really sad scene where uh, Casey Affleck is mm-hmm. in the movie, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where he uh, says, you know, he's buried out. Jesse, his son, was buried out there. And you realize when uh, Murph and I don't even know what Topher Grace's character's name was. No, Topher Grace. To- <laughs> Topher Grace. Uh when they Eddie Brock, c- Eddie Brock, <laughs> when he comes in, it's like you need to get out of here now. You realize that his first son is dead because he didn't want to leave the farm mm-hmm. and didn't want to take care of him. And it's you know moments like that I I really like. Right. Um, well, he's he's too afraid to leave. Yeah. In, in the way that Matt Damon was too afraid exactly. to not hit the button. Exactly. Like that. Oh man, ah, this movie's really good. Mm-hmm. This movie's really good. So then they go into the black hole. Yeah. Where. Um, she gets weird. It gets really weird. <laughs> but it gets weird. But it gets weird in but, like but a, here's it's, the thing. it's a more palatable weird than like two thousand and one. But that's where that's where I relate it to though. Because yeah, totally. Because it's to me it's Nolan's I don't know if homage is the right word. Yeah. But it's like him saying it's like his two thousand and one, basically. Yeah. Um but they, they hint at it throughout the film where they say you can't go backwards in time. Right. You know, you can only go forward. Time is uh, all relative. Right. Um, and so when 
Cooper goes through there and you realize that now he's in some sort of other dimension, mm-hmm. a fifth dimension. They even mention it. Like yeah. they don't skirt around it. It's not like they hide no, what it I'm is. Like... It's like, hey, he's in a fifth dimension. And he understands that his daughter is the one who has to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And because he he ends up in it, he gets into himself to a place where he can communicate with her yeah. in the past. Yeah, and it's really fascinating. You know, I was concerned when it first happened that I was going to lose interest in the movie at that point. Right. Because, you know... Because well, so much of the momentum of the movie for the past hour and a half at that point mm-hmm. had been the exploration. Exactly. Like, whether or not he could succeed. And yep. so at that point, it has to it has to lean back on what was good about the first act, mm-hmm. which was those characters and how much yeah. he cared about the way they related, right? Like... The scene that the the whole end of the movie only works if you really buy into the scene in her bedroom when he has yeah, to leave. Exactly, if and that scene works, then the end works. And then, then you know, I mean, they set it up in the movie. They said you can't go back in time. He's able to. Gravity is the only thing yep. that is consistent. So, I mean, the movie's really smart in that way, and it, because you have to take big leaps of faith for this last bit to work. Yes, um, but it wraps it in really good science. It does. It does too because it's. I know they're not, he's not in the same room, acting with himself, mm-hmm. but the, dichotomy of him leaving Murph, with him telling him not to leave, mm-hmm. and he's like stay, stay, and then you remember that she said don't go, stay. It's saying stay, right. and he says I don't believe you. It's it's a really fascinating, mm-hmm. because. When someone reads a script like that, you have to play it, mm-hmm. and he plays them two different ways, and it's so it's so well done. Yeah, um, that you forgive, you forgive it, you forgive it. Like it's it is a the ending is convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending is convenient in a way that it makes that sense to me though. From like a Spielberg, kind yeah, of it makes of sense movie. to me though. It it really does oh, totally totally um, because. I would have been I would have been colossally disappointed if he had given this an inception ending. I, or I would like, have been I was actually disappointed because when he first went through there and he ejected, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's gonna freaking kill him, and oh, then nothing's right. gonna be solved. Yeah, and I mean I know he likes to do that um, right. in his movies and that Inception and that's and that's fine. But it's it's only fine if it leaves you but in a place but you where need you really the, have to th- but you some... need the resolution from the uh, the daughter and the father because yes. that's the weight of the story exactly. because right. it's um it's Jessica Chastain who thinks her, not only her one father abandoned her but her next father figure Michael Caine lied to her so she's dealing with deception from all of them she thinks right but for Cooper's character he had to have that re- redemptive moment yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Moment. He had to be the guy who did it. Right. Because he's not a bad guy. No. And he didn't want to do it. I mean, he even said, he, Murph, don't let me leave this way. Right. And if he would have died, that, like, oh, it, it, really... it, it makes it all feel worthless. Yeah. Right? The, and, and, it, and, it, and not in a... Not in a good way. Exactly. Because exactly. As as somebody who loves those kind, I love the Inception ending. I love the No Country for Old Men ending. Like those kind of just drop you endings. Mm-hmm. I I write those endings in my own writing. Like th- I love that shit. But it only works if that ending leaves you in a place where you have something to ponder. Yeah. If you if it especially if it twists things a little bit and re redefines the way you were looking at the story. And if they had done that in this movie, it wouldn't have worked. There I isn't agree. a place at the end of that movie where you can say, 
like it's not cool at any point to be like was was that ghost him or or or, or did, does exactly. he make it back because no, give a shit if he makes it you back you need that moment you need i think he needs to be redeemed so bad because right. and i don't think he did anything wrong no but I think in his daughter's eyes, he needs to be that guy. He needs right. to be her hero. Or, or he at least needs to be redeemed for us, right? So exactly. if he had done something where he saves her, but he does, but she never knows it, fine. Like, that would have been interesting. Um, or maybe, like, he saves her, and we never figure out if she figures out that he's... Or, or we never really understand if she forgives him. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been interesting. Yeah. But... He has to save her. He does. Otherwise, it, it's pointless. And that tune even sets up great moments where he, you know, he, the, the watch, and then it's, she realizes it's Morse code and on the watch, and she has a great moment where Jess Chastain runs through, you know, the colony of this thing they're building, right. and she goes, Eureka! Right. And it seems appropriate, <laughs> and she yeah. kisses Topher Grace. It's and, tradition. Yeah. Um, but then it has a great scene, too. You know, I thought it was actually going to end there. But then has a great scene where he floats away and he's picked up by the space station mm-hmm. because even though he went back in time through that black hole, when the black hole dissipated, he, he actually he, went. He well, he pops out the other end of the singularity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but he passes Anne Hathaway. I didn't like that part. Yeah, that's the, that. Uh, I, didn't, I was yeah. like, do guys, I know. Yeah. I know guys. Yeah. <laughs> But they put yeah. stuff like that, I guess, in movies for other people. And here's the thing: it doesn't it doesn't work because you already have that beat. Exactly. You already have that beat at the end of the movie when he leaves to go find her. Exactly. Which, fucking that was like that's the right ending. Yeah. Like the reason you don't have some drop off ending is because the right ending in a movie about how important exploration is, in a movie about like sort sort of. Um, encouraging this idea that that's still who we are at our core and that we need to go find those places mm-hmm. and, and, and push our own boundaries, you have to end the movie with somebody leaving like that. Yeah. Plus, too, you know, he comes back and he was 120 years old and yeah. he has closure with his daughter, which is mm-hmm. great. Yep. Oh, that seems... Re- oh, but man, when she tells him to leave the room, I was just like, oh, but dude, this is killer. This is why, I mean, uh, I'm not as big of a McConaughey fan as you are, yeah. but... There's a scene when he goes to his farmhouse on Saturn now. It's like a space station, and mm-hmm. they rebuilt it after his daughter. Yeah. And um, he sits down, and they said, so it's just how it used to be. Yeah. It's a lot cleaner. And just the way he delivers those lines is just really cool because really he had two or three scenes like that with Lithgow where he's just drinking a beer. Right. And they're, you know, bullshitting. And then for him to kind of have that moment again... But then it's fun, too, because, you know, in the end, uh, you know what's going to happen, but it's still satisfying to see the one guy walking by and he's counting the ships. Yeah. And then the next scene, you know, Cooper's getting in the ship and he's like, all right, let's get out of here. And he takes off. And that's a Spielberg moment to me is yes. he's he's going by yes. and he's counting and then he realizes it's gone, stops. It and totally then is. It's. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think my favorite little bit, though, there is. Is that line he has where he says like I, I don't get this like I don't understand why we're why we're trying so hard to pretend like things are the way they were yeah like that's not you yep. know no like we're supposed to go figure out what the way things are supposed to be yep like ah oh, that that's why this movie is really good yep. like that's why this movie just like I said it it plays into everything that that I love um, yeah this is a James I mean, movie <laughs> yeah yeah it, I I think as I this is where I'm going to get hyperbolic. As I was watching 
like near the end of the movie, I was thinking to myself, okay, this movie is, for me, this movie transcends being just why I love movies or just why I love stories. Oh man, I'm really, I'm, I'm wow, really, I'm really go. gonna here. Okay, here go. this movie becomes why I dream. Um, see, right? <laughs> I told you. You guys can't see it, but I just gave James the like <laughs> most. You're the most pretentious person I've ever seen. Look in my life, but it's true. Like this it's... movie tells a story where where the possibilities are relatively boundless, mm. um, and those, and, and not in a what if a man could pick up a car and throw it kind of a way, but in a very grounded humanity inside of a a boundless universe may find things we don't understand that allow us to be people that we can't imagine. Mm. Um, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a movie that presents for me new standards for you know in in marginal ways right like not not like i'm redefining who i am <laughs> but it i'll say reaffirms some of my beliefs about mm. the people that we should be and the things that we should value um and the the people that we need to be in order to actually grow like as a race um so yeah this movie to me is important I can't wait to see it again. Tomorrow. Well, I guess we know what James's favorite movie of the year is. <laughs> no, it may not be. It may not because here's the thing: I agree with you on a lot of things. Like the, f- it is a shame that the that the spine of this movie is so simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll know more when I see it again. Um, but you know, and at the same time, I don't think this has been a wildly amazing year. So yeah. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Uh, like you know, it's like I said. I think everybody should see the movie. Yeah, hands down, because it's a good movie. Yeah, but it's my same problem I had with Birdman. Right, where it's a good movie, but I still have problems with it. Right, where this movie is made for you, Birdman was made for Brad. Right, <laughs> um, um, and that's an okay thing. Yeah, it really is. So the yeah. So the other thing is that like, I can't help but geek out over the fact that like NASA gave. I don't know if you heard about this, but NASA gave in, uh, Christopher Nolan and their their visual effects team all of this like a ridiculous amount of data that they've pulled out of mm-hmm. measuring black holes because we've never really seen one. Um, so the depiction of black holes in this movie, according to NASA, is the most accurate. Like it's so accurate that now scientists are like analyzing their their rendering of this black hole yeah. in order to try and learn things about how black holes work, <laughs> like. Dude, this movie's got like super science in it. It's There's really some beautiful cool. stuff like oh, that. It's gorgeous. That guy uh, Gargantuan. Yeah, Gargantua. Gargantua. Like when he's going around it, it looks so freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't because it's to like see cascading it. like lights, or I don't know right. what it is. Um, it will. It's like that concave. Yeah, exactly. Look. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see it on seventy. Like, yeah. Oh, th- yeah. I mean, the thirty-five millimeter looked really good, yeah. and it was really fascinating as I noticed. That it was on film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Like the scene, it was a little darker, um, mm. but it had, I don't know, had a more organic feel to it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. It was cool that like the Alamo went out of their way to have both the 70 and the digital, or the 35 and the digital, um, and let you choose, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, cool. Cool. Uh, next week is Dumb and Dumber 2. No, 
It's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's, that's the movie. It's, it's Big Hero Six. That's the movie. I don't uh, know. No, we're we see a new movie every week. Uh, Big Hero yeah, Six yeah, isn't a it? new movie from last week. <laughs> yeah, next week we'll, we'll be seeing Big Hero Six, which is getting really good reviews. Yep. Yep. It looks cute. Yeah, it does. Um, it looks more entertaining. It looks funnier than Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I'm too. sure it will be funnier. I'll probably see Dumb and Dumber too because I do like the first Dumb and Dumber. I do too. I do too. That trailer. But just... the trailer seems really tired. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that trailer looks like. That trailer feels like. Jim Carrey in a fake gray beard. Yeah, it. My w- wife loves watching Saturday Night Live, and it's been horrible this year. Oh yeah. Um, and Jim Carrey hosted it, and it was really bad. Except he did these really great Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercials. I, I saw those. Those were great. and they were pretty good. Those were really good. The rest of it was meh. And then Laura watched it this week, and it was Chris Rock. It was horrible. They had. I heard, I heard they had Prince on it though. Yeah, they had a Shark Tank like parody. Where ISIS was the company they wanted him to invest in. Like, really, dude? That's not funny. And then there's this really uh, awkward sketch with Chris Rock uh, being this old black guy and his old black wife just arguing about everything. And they f- were like forgetting lines. And it was just really weird. It was really bad. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Just Sunday Night Live's not good. Yeah. You should just watch Cheers. I, I probably should. I rewatched uh, most of the, fr- the that first season of Fargo this week. Oh, I gotta man. start watching Hannibal before I watch Fargo, though. Yeah, you should. Well, yes. Well, if only because I have to finish watching Fargo, rewatching Fargo yeah. before I can even lend it. Yeah, to exactly. Yeah. You're you're my go-to for dark for, for dark twisted twisted horror, horror television horror <laughs> television that I won't watch on my own time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Till next week. Thanks. Thank you. Go see Interstellar. Yeah. Bye. Bye. We all had a goodbye. We all had the hard goodbyes, whether it was going to school, going away for the weekend, dad's going to work, mom's going to work for a week or two, but I'll be back, you know. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production. Maybe. Yeah, I just, I think it's genuinely kind of badass. Is like, yeah, we'll agree to disagree. And I, and let me make it clear that I thought it was badass before I found out that it was jo- uh, Joss Whedon. Like, I, I'm not <laughs> you know just this, being biased. You, I was reading that. It's the only line that they kept of his in that movie. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, and, uh, and that's why I'm I saying, seen like, the first X Men in so long, I should watch it. Like, I got the X Men trilogy okay. on Blu ray, and I watched X2 out of it. And then I watched yeah. The Last Stand, but I haven't watched the first X Men out of it. X Men One doesn't hold up as well because uh, like, I never thought it did. I thought it was actually. I think it's actually the weakest X Men movie. Mm, weaker than The Last Stand. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I, I like it better than The Last Stand, but I will say that, like, when you've seen other superhero movies, the plot of that movie is really fucking stupid. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: is I love, <laughs> I love the last like ten minutes of The Last Stand, where. I think the music's so good when Wolverine's walking up to kill Jean Grey. Oh, yeah. And you can see him fighting, and his skin's getting ripped off, and he's healing at the same time. I think that moment is so badass. Yeah, it's good. That I forget, you know, how shitty the rest of the movie is. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. I, don't th- I, I think it's just like Spider-Man 3. I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it's 
it's as bad as everyone thinks it is. Right. Oh, so, anyway, so the story I was telling was that um, I went into that movie as a huge Alias fan going like, I really hope that this movie's Alias, mm-hmm. and I really hope that it like starts in the future, and then they go back 47 hours, and then they tell the whole story, <laughs> and that's what they fucking did. And and it, so well, when the, the movie was I, over, I was like, this is everything I wanted it to be. At the time, who did I go see that movie with? What friend of mine? I forget. Mm-hmm. It was either Brandon or maybe it was Adam, but... When it started and is like a flashback, I was like, <laughs> it's like Alias. I was the only one of my friends who watched Alias. <laughs> I'm pretty sure me and you were the only people in Colorado that watched Alias. Right. right. We, we, were the, <laughs> we were the only people in the whole world who went into Mission Impossible 3 going, I really hope this movie's like Alias. <laughs> yeah. Because at that time, J.J. Abrams, I think, only yeah. wrote Joyride. And so right. Yeah. He wasn't even well, like Well, and, and um, uh, Forever Young. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that Bill yeah. Gibson one, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, and um, regarding Henry. Oh, yeah. Well, that's actually a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast. We started this like Denver Comic Con. I did. mean, uh, like the Nerdist. We just started talking. Yeah. But now, and now I have to because I, I talked over your intro. I know. So now we, I literally have to do an intro of... I know, right? Yeah. That's all right. Welcome. Maybe we'll mix up the show. Maybe it'll be different Maybe. this week. Hey, it's cool. Yeah. Actually, it's going to be a little different because our fan mill is so good. That it's actually going to cover uh, Comic Book Corner and things like that. So Ooh, I know. It's great. Um, Man. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast.